0: Hello, I'm Patrick Chavez, and you are listening to LA Theatre Bites review of The City of Conversation, playing at the Wallace Annenberg Center of Performing Arts in Beverly Hills, running May 17th through June 4th. This show is very new, and it's the West Coast premiere of The City of Conversation. It's only opened its first show last year, so the show's still kind of fresh off the presses. I had to actually look back at these dates, because it's not running very long. As I stated at the beginning, it starts around mid-May and ends early June. The City of Conversation is a show about relationships, morals, and politics, and how they can be blurred together. How at times it can be hard, almost impossible, to untangle them. They show this over a period of 30 years, using a house of well-known liberal socialite Hester, played by Christine Lotte, from Law & SVU, The Closer, and many more shows. The show starts somewhere in the late 1970s, after the Vietnam War. Hester lives with her sister in Georgetown, and they are well known for throwing fancy house parties where politicians go to unwind. But it's not all mindless gossip, though there is some. These parties allow the politicians to lighten up at times and make difficult decisions they may have had trouble making in committee on the Hill. The conflict in the story arises from Hester's son coming home from economic school in London to begin his groomed career as a politician. Everything would be perfect, but Colin, her son, played by Jason Ritter, doesn't come alone. He brings along his fiance Anna, played by Georgia King. For those who have seen the film, guess who's coming to dinner? City of Conversation has a lot of similarities. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was a film with Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier. It debuted in 1967. In that film, it was a comedy about a white woman American bringing her black African-American fiancée to meet the parents and the drama that comes from racial tension. We get a similar dynamic in this play, but instead of racial tension, the tension comes from Anna, who's one of the early Reagan conservatives. It would have probably been fine. We see that Hester has no problem dealing and partying with conservatives. The linchpin in this story comes with the fact that her son, Colin, has also become a Republican as well. As the story progresses, tension between Hester, Anna, and Colin boil over to a fever pitch, and questions are raised about family and being true to what you believe. This story is drama, with parts of comedy sprinkled in just a little. The line of the night may have been when Hester was speaking to Anna frankly in the living room and states what she believes is the basic Republican philosophy. And she, I apologize if I'm butchering this, but she says, Black people are fine. Women are fine. Let's help white men. There are some other jokes that came out and received some chuckles, but they're most likely geared for an older audience that would think saying it would be edgy. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. This show is so edgy. You know, that kind of mindset. The show isn't edgy, it's rather neutral and kind to both sides. Though it doesn't have to be. The moment either Anna or Hester get close to a real strong valid point, it's curtailed by other drama in the story. Major cop-out when it comes to this intense meeting of minds. It's enthralling to watch Christine, Lotte, Hester, and Georgia King, Anna, go at it. It's the best part of the show. I'm joking, but lock them in a room and let them go at it, because that's where the excitement was in this show. That's where we got to know the characters, and by the end of the show, two weeks later, three weeks later, after you've seen it, Hester and Anna are the characters you'll remember. A huge mistake in my estimation is how little Jason Ritter's Colin character is utilized in this story. He's the main reason most, if not all, of the drama of the show happens. But we get to know so little about him. They do explain his reasons for changing from a liberal to a conservative. His issue being the disconnect between being rich and privileged and wanting to help the common man is an interesting perspective. He doesn't feel like he fits in, and he wants to feel like part of the crowd or as he calls it, America. So he loosens his morals and perspective. Jason Ritter's character is really a great example of the saying, if you don't believe something, you will fall for anything. He's a punching bag that just lays there and pushes the plot forward. Having a character like Colin is not a misstep. It's refreshing. I haven't seen a character like this in a political kind of drama theater. What's bothersome and lacking are the moments between Colin and his mother that let me know This is a real relationship. When things go bad, I feel so little about him and the relationship. I'm just left cold. The City of Conversation is a political showing that pulls its punches too much, in my opinion, and loses track of what actually makes it interesting. That being said, there are some unique characterizations and stunning performances from Georgia King and Christina Lati. I give The City of Conversation 7.5 out of 10. Side note. I cannot say enough about the actual set design. The living room set done over and over and over again in the theater. The designers took the set to another level. The set outshined this show. Not only was the furniture realistic, but the designers used a depth to make you feel like a person looking outside of a dollhouse. This is by far maybe the best design set I've seen all year. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, on the front page, or directly to our website at latheaterbites.com.